to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mission LHC podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. I was thinking about this week, uh, we've laughed a little bit about how not professional we are. So uh, as, as unprofessionals, maybe if this was a video, maybe it would be blinking. This is not a professional broadcast. <laughs> I don't know, but we sure have enjoyed it. Uh, and we're glad you came back with us today. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about family and and parts of it are going to be a little more serious, but I think it's going to be a relevant topic um, for a lot of you. Well, you know, we like to laugh and cut up and we've talked about a lot of our fun times and the goofy stories, whether it's a... whether we had some memories when we first started out or, or things that we've done just recently with the kids or whatever it is. But uh, today is a subject that affects a lot of people. And uh, unfortunately, it's a little too close for home and uh, it's addiction. And that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, we see this a lot of times in our jobs daily, what a lot of our kids live in and, and do that. Amanda, I know on your end of the counseling, We unfortunately get to see the brokenness that comes from addiction and problems that takes place. Absolutely. It's amazing to watch some of our kids. Now, we work in a high school, so we have older students, but it's really just amazing to see them come in the building and be able to function. I mean, because honestly, for a lot of them, learning how to solve quadratic equations is the last thing on their mind but somehow they they find comfort in the schedule and and they find school a safe haven you know when you look at addiction and things like that problems like that uh i I had a one of those aha moments a few years ago i had to go to the elementary when you're a high school person and you haven't been in the elementary it's a whole different world (laughs) so one of our coaches uh actually teaches a lower elementary grade and i'll just say that and they needed to leave early and we really didn't have anyone that could cover the class and i went down there and i was with all the kids Now, I forget, in high school, they think you've got a plague and they don't want to be around you. In elementary, (laughs) they think you're the grandest thing in the world, especially if you're new and they all want to hug you and they want to be around you. Oh, yeah, lots of hugs. (laughs) But uh, that day, though, I kind of was able to see things a little bit differently. At that point, all the kids in their mind were equal. They all you know, have the same opportunity, the same chance. They didn't know if they were rich, if they were poor. They didn't know their race, didn't anything. They they were equal in their minds while they were in that classroom. But what, unfortunately, I kind of felt in my heart that I see the back end of it in high school when the world's problems have kind of creeped in. And it's sad because sometimes some of our children don't have a chance that if all they've ever grown up in is just complete addiction and everything that's going on in the house or other problems that can be there, it taints their life a whole lot unless the Holy Spirit can step in and they have that kind of moment. Or they might have other relatives or people that can help them out. And that that was a sad moment for me because, 
you know, I, I see the bad part of it a lot of times in high school. And, uh, you know, I wish that's something that I could make go away, that everybody would be the same and, and, and that would continue on. But unfortunately, we live in a, uh, a sinful world. And, you know, that is one of the things we've talked about here in sharing the gospel. We live in a broken world and this world, the devil is real here, you know. Yeah, I remember that made me think... Um... I remember one day, it's been several years ago, but for whatever reason, I was looking at um, immunization records, you know, trying to make sure everybody was in line. This was before we had the blessing of a school nurse, uh, which is so wonderful. Um, But I remember looking at those immunization records and it just hit me, you know, that for our high school kids, looking back at their early years, somebody loved them. Somebody gave birth to them. Somebody took them to the pediatrician for those well visits. And, you know, just trying to imagine what happened in the space of about 12 years. And, you know, uh, that's kind of what we're going to focus on a little bit. Some of the, the problems that do lead to this. And addiction is going to be the one that I'm going to talk about a little bit. You know, I'm going to start out talking about, uh, y'all have heard me tell that my mom is the reason I believe that I have Amanda, and she was a praying mom. She was, uh, she had a lot of those Proverbs 31 qualities, mm-hmm. and if you ask any family member I have, she was the greatest listener they ever had. If they had problems, they all came to her, and she was, she would listen. She wasn't judgmental. She helped them out. She was my everything. I'm an only child, and my mom is who I was with all the time. And I I spoke to Life Recovery the other night, and I talked to him about him. I said, I guess my mom, my mom wanted me to know how to love. And my mom, she wanted, she talked to me openly that wanted me to talk. She wanted me to communicate and you know that goes back what we told Amanda in the one episode that I wasn't going to marry if she didn't talk to me (laughs) but my mom wanted to raise someone that was loving that did understand that would talk and and I guess she talked did that too well because I don't ever shut up But, (laughs) but your mom was always so loving I mean I'll never forget the first time I met her uh she and your dad both gave me a giant hug and both kissed me on the cheek, which freaked me out a little bit because I, I am not a, a hugger, but it, I came to really love that. Now, when I think about you being an only child and early in our marriage, one of the things that I, I still giggle about when I think about it, now, it, in the early 90s, video cameras were much larger than they are now. I mean, we didn't have cell phones with video cameras. Kind of like the boom boxes that people (laughs) used to carry around on their shoulder, a big giant one. So the video cameras were very similar. Yes, and I remember... Um, that baseball game we went to when we went to see Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan playing yes. for the Birmingham Barons. And I remember your mom being so excited because I think she knew already. She knew that this was going to be something that would last. And I remember her trying to sneak in videos of us, but she had that giant camera on her shoulder that was as big as she was. Well, mom knew everything about me, good or bad. If I was doing something wrong, my mom knew. Mom was that kind we had that that tide of a relationship but that's the that's the mom that 
85 or 90% of the people knew. And again, my mom was a great lady. But the the thing, the reason we're talking about this, and I hate to even talk about it, it's one of those things that you... She told me one day, if, if talking about her problem ever helped anybody, then I, then I should. And she realized my mom was addicted to prescription drugs. And it was a lifelong battle in my life. The mom would have good times and bad times. Now... Here's the thing. It affected me a lot because, I i mean, there's things I do. I have an addictive personality today with different things, but it really bothered me a whole lot. But I didn't live in addiction all the time. You know, 80% of the time was great, probably possibly even 85% of the time. But when it went wrong, it went wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my mom's situation a little bit. And so I'm going to go back a little bit and kind of talk about my mom coming up and how sometimes things are patterns that you get yourself into. And one thing that that uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later, how we want to break those cycles. We want to, through education, if we can help anybody by sharing our dirty laundry and our stories, again, remember this about my mom, great woman, a great Christian lady. Uh, I believe I have Amanda because of it. All that those things that I say. But she dealt with the flesh and problems just like we all do. And, you know, even in the Bible, some of the greatest people uh, in the Bible, Paul talks about in Romans uh, 7, 19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. You know, he was talking about battling things daily. You know, and I've heard different commentaries and things that people talked about. They think that maybe he went through depression and went through different situations. Well, my mom had a collection of a lot of those things. My mom suffered from depression. And I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know if addiction led to depression or if depression led to addiction, starting to do things or whatever. I really have no answers for those things. And that's... I, I, I never will. You know, your mom, I remember um, when I first really became aware of what was going on, she was always just so humble and transparent about it. She didn't try to hide her weaknesses, and she she was open about it. But I remember her telling me one day that um, for her it started early on um, when she was 11 or 12 years old. Well, and I think a lot of times, her, my grandparents, her, her parents, her mother was a great lady, was a solver, a problem solver. Well, sure, she's the one that would leave me the coke and moon pie for lunch and let me take a nap on the couch. She was awesome. And I think her behavior was probably a learned behavior as well. That her parents probably did this for her. You know, when you're sick, take this. My grandmother was the type, if if you had a headache, well, here, you need to take this t- Tylenol, take this pill. Well, if you if your stomach's upset, take this. If you're whatever, she always had a pill for everything. Well, my mom talks about being a nervous person, having anxiety or whatever as a teenager, and taking a nerve pill as, as a early teenager. And... You know, one pill led to two pills, and two pills to three and four, and my mom had a tolerance like, I mean, 
was was crazy when you would see it. And that came out in my lifetime, seeing my mom. She would go through, you know, holidays were something that was crazy. And a lot of you out there, you can probably relate to what I'm talking about. There's no telling how many holidays that me and my dad would have to say, well, she's just not feeling well. It might have been Thanksgiving. It might have been Christmas. There were situations like that that we would say, you know, have to make up excuses why mom wasn't able to go. It was those kind of seasons, and that lets me believe a lot of that was the stress, the anxiety, depression, because we know that depression kicks in a whole lot during the the winter months months and holidays. And things like that would go, and the older my mother got, the more of a recluse she became, and she would stay in. And so... When when I was a kid, this is some of the things that stick in my mind a lot. My mom was a expert uh, doctor shopper, and some of y'all remember there was a doctor in Winston County, and I won't say any names or anything, <laughs> but y'all can re- y'all can imagine. And the, anyone our age or older would remember. <laughs> yes, that that this doctor, you could go in there and you could tell anything you needed. And you would leave in an envelope with uh, pain pills in an envelope. Now, notice I said in an envelope, not in a. The, so <laughs> they, they would their fill own it. Little pharmacy there. This yeah. is the same doctor that in sixth grade I was playing hooky and did not want to go to school. Mom and them taught me a valuable lesson. I just didn't want to go to school and told them I was sick. Mom loads me up, hauls me into the car, and we go over to the doctor. And he looks in my throat and says, yep, you got what everybody's got. And he gives me a shot. And at the time, this sounds like a crazy made-up lie. You use the same needle. <laughs> the same needle, yes. So you didn't want to go at the end of the day. No, it was dull. <laughs> no, it was. And you use the same needle. And they would dip, Now, they would dip it in alcohol and use that same needle. This was pre-AIDS, pre-anything that we knew was going on. But... um. So I wasn't sick at all, but they gave me a shot for about $5. You'd get your pills and everything, and it was a great poor man's doctor. Yeah, I remember, uh, my well, my sister would still tell you now, anytime I got sick and, and we went over there to the doctor, he would say, yeah, she's got it too. Both of you got it. So that was kind of, that's why we all, why penicillin doesn't work nowadays with half the people our age and everything. But, um. That that the greatness behind that doctor, and what they did actually for the community and the service. Yeah, absolutely. The same yeah. the same thing would be on the opposite side for someone with addiction. Well, my mom could figure out she could go to this doctor and get pills. She could go to one in a neighboring town. She could go to Coleman and get one. She could find. We knew where we could go, and. There was times that my mom was under the influence when she would go get these things. And I look back, and it was only by God's grace that nothing ever happened to us. And, um, you know, so a lot of times it might be just a few pills. And you could tell if mom had been taken. But then there was times that you would come in, and and mom couldn't stand up and was bad. And, and, you know, my dad would come in from work not knowing what he was going to see when he come home. Those were some of the moments, and again, 80 to 85% of the time, that wasn't the case. It was the greatest home you would come to. My mom spoiled my dad rotten. She was a housewife. 
she would have his meal ready at about 4.30 in the afternoon, which I used to think was crazy, but now I'm kind of resembling <laughs> it. My dad had to be up at work at about 5 o'clock in, in Decatur. Mom would have everything ready for him, and she took care of everything around the house and all that kind of stuff. And when things were great, you couldn't find any better. But again, those, those holidays and those moments, they stick in my thoughts and, and memories. And um, so that kind of stuff was big, and that addiction carried on, and it was monumental times in my life where you would see things happen. You know, Amanda, when we, a lot of this, I only dealt with talking about before I, I talked the other day. A lot of it I've just kind of buried, so I had some of the emotions and stuff come out. You know, I'm the only child, and my mom was the everything for me. And the week that I was getting married, my mom spent time in the hospital. And finding out the other day when I was researching this a little bit, most of it stemmed back from her having an episode and everything. So she did not even make the rehearsal dinner of her only child. She barely made the wedding, and she was not in good shape to make the wedding. She wasn't on anything, but she had been in the hospital all week. She just basically was there. And, you know, that that's some of the things that really stands out a little bit that we kind of know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I was married and I was kind of away from it, I still knew there was problems here and there, but didn't really know it at all. I thought things were kind of better because I didn't get to see that side. Well, then when we started, uh, we had children. Yeah. And, you know, we were so excited to be having kids and and you know how life goes you know you've got that next step so even though we loved our little trailer when we started having kids we knew we needed a bigger place so you know we're living the american dream we we've been married we now we're going to build a house we're going to have kids and pets and um so we get into the house and um and so that means I need to start working. And so I had started teaching, but you know, we were okay because we knew we had your mom who was always so helpful. I mean, this woman would still- Clean our house? Yes, oh, that was the best thing ever to come home to. All the laundry was done. I absolutely hate laundry. You know, I might hate laundry more than I hate (laughs) vacuuming. (laughs) Well, that's from another episode. But it was always the best feeling to come home, and she had just surprised us, you know, just to come clean up things. And so, you know, we had, you know, no worries because we knew she would help us take care of the kids. Well, even on that, my mom, while I was still single, my mom would cook a plate every day, and I'm embarrassed to say this. (laughs) She would bring me food every day, and I'd have a plate ready at my house. I was living probably three, four miles from them. But I would have a plate of whatever her and Daddy was going to eat. She would bring every day. So that's how spoiled I was as an only child. But then, what would she do, Amanda? Well, when I came into the picture, she would bring two plates. But I still say I hold her personally responsible for your eating habits. You are the pickiest eater. Yeah, my mom and them would even do this. My dad would probably have beat me because he was (laughs) raised, you know, the country guy that you eat what's in front of you and that's it. Uh, when we'd go to uh, Burger King and they had the sesame seed buns, 
And the sesame seed buns, I, I in my mind, didn't want to eat them because they were bad. My mom would give me the bottom off of her bun. So she spoiled you. She spoiled me rotten. So I, I paint this picture because addiction is so bad. This is the lady that loved grandkids more than she loved me. I mean, was crazy about them. And she loved me more than anything in the world because my mom was 20 when she had me. So I can always remember she was always 20 years older than me. And she was a stay-home mom. I stayed with her. She taught me all those things. Uh, I told somebody, I said, well, the bad thing is my mom used to watch soap operas. So I guess that's why I, uh, I end up seeing a lot of those kind of things growing up. So if I watch a Hallmark movie with Amanda, I guess she that's... She trained a you right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So that hope hope that we don't have many people of my friends listening to this, <laughs> but um, but you know addiction is so bad that it can override those memories and those things that are going on. So kind of back to the story where we were at. My mom was keeping the kids and everything was grand. We had Blake and things were just super. When we moved into this house, Bailey was born, so mom was keeping both kids. And then probably the nightmare of all nightmares, we find out, you know, mom, I'm not going to go into details, but she just could not take care of the kids. And now my love for my mom turned into almost a hate for my mom because it was almost like my children were around this and I was bitter and I couldn't believe that you're choosing this over me, over my kids and and I, I hate to admit it, but I really almost had a hatred for my mother. And the bitterness came in. I talked to my dad. I didn't really talk to my mom for a, a little while. I would acknowledge her, and I wasn't disrespectful, but I just I was just sickened by the situation. And uh, and that was tough. I mean, and you know, by this point we were in a little bit of a bind because we had built the house and trying to figure out what to do but thankfully um my sister helped us out and your aunt marcia and so if it hadn't been for them that year would have been super tough and and you know that continued for a little while but i remember it was so hard for you to to see her in that way because that was not the mom that you had always really known because even though those things were happening when you were little, you weren't really aware of what was happening. No, and I think you're you're shielded from a lot of that. We try to just put it back, but the older you get, you start realizing. I mean, I remember mom going to rehab and being in the hospital from situations and stuff, and, and there was a lot of serious medical conditions. My mom had, like I said, nerves, anxiety. She had half her stomach taken out from bleeding ulcers and things like that. And, you know, again, I don't know what caused it or what was there, what was first, but there was really medical issues that came about during all this time, and her body went through a whole lot with damage from stuff. But um, so I was bitter at my mom, and then my mom got real bad sick, and, and she was in like a... A coma for... Yeah, we really didn't think she was going to make it. I remember, I want to say she was in the ICU here locally for about about three weeks. I mean, it was long enough that 
we had a room there that your dad stayed and um, the kids stayed there and um, it, it was a long time and we did we really didn't think she would make it. And so she was so bad, and it was kind of like COVID, really. What you see with COVID, how their lungs just keep filling up, pneumonia sets in. It was that way. Me and my dad make a decision. We have to transfer to Birmingham. And she, like I said, she doesn't know anything about when she was in the hospital for those weeks or whatever like that. And I remember going to the hospital and just thinking that she wasn't going to make it. And I was just praying. And that's where I basically had a whole change of heart. Mando told me, said, Heath, you've got to, you know, I don't remember your exact words. but I just remember knowing that you had to get to a place that you could forgive her. We really didn't think she was going to make it. And I remember that night when we finally got the transfer, they were taking her by helicopter to Birmingham. And, you know, I can remember us crying and, and talking about, you know, we may not have her much longer, and it was hard, but you had to get to that point where you understood that what she was dealing with was like a disease. Um, and, you know, we've talked about before, if, if you knew somebody who had cancer, you wouldn't think anything different of that. And she, that she didn't have cancer, but this is what she struggled with. Well, and that's kind of where it was almost like I heard an audible voice from God telling me it's by His grace that I'm not sitting where she's at. And that was one of those big moments. And I and Amanda can tell you, and this isn't saying nothing great about me, but I kind of live by that daily because I don't know what tomorrow holds. If my back goes out and I take one pill or this or that, you know, as I grew up, a lot of times, I know a lot of people thought I was probably a goody two-shoes because I didn't want to do a lot. You know, if people were drinking or things were going on, in my mind, I was always afraid that I would end up being. I have some alcoholics around me. I've had a lot of pill addicts in the family and different things. I've seen it. You know, I've seen it from both sides of things that's going on, and that kind of stuff stood in the back of my mind that I was afraid of it. That that, And I really believe I have addiction that lives within me. Now, that might be an addictive personality that I work like crazy on a job or I, uh, I'm almost OCD with doing things around cleaning or doing stuff. Not at the house, though. Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> but um, things like that. I like to work out, whether it's run or go to the gym or different things. I think I have to make sure that I put that kind of energy into things that I can control. And one thing I've noticed at the the gym or the workout places I go to, there's a whole lot of people that suffer from addiction that end up in those places because it's something they can control. And when they feel certain anxiety or different things, get the energy out, they do something about it. And I really believe that I've had the uh, a blessing to be able to talk to a lot of people and, and that's in the situations and sometimes. And you don't know how many times my story that I've went through by sharing it. A lot of the kids that are sitting in my office in trouble with different things, a lot of them are angry about situations like this going on at home. It might be an alcoholic father but sometimes the alcoholism leads to abuse and different things that takes place. 
it doesn't always just stop with taking a pill and passing out. And um, I can I think it helps to relate to people that understand. And that's one reason we share the story is because, you know, people, you know, we look back and Casting Crowns has a song about stained glass masquerade. Nearly every family that's listening to this right now, you've been affected personally by what we're talking about, whether it's pills or alcohol or whatever. And the same would be said at our churches or wherever. But a lot of times we don't talk about those things. Yeah, we just try to pretend like it's not happening. You know, you put on that face of, oh, everything's good. And how many times do we answer the question, you know, how are things going? We answer never been better you know everything's great and so we keep up that facade that that picture of what we think um we're supposed to keep up you know i think it's important to you know always remember that the bottom line is we're all broken we're all broken people um and we all struggle with different things different symptoms of our brokenness and you know Sometimes those symptoms, or another way to look at those symptoms, are our ways of coping with what's going on. And and there are healthy ways to cope, and there are unhealthy ways to cope. Yeah, and, you know, and that's the thing. If you're listening to this, you have trouble or something, you know, I, I would like to say that we can, I believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to take that desire from you. My mom did pray that. She wanted to, you know, she talked to me about addiction. When Again, me and my mom talked a lot. She would be so remorseful that it was never going to happen again. And I can't relate to it because I've never been addicted to anything. But I do know this. Right now, as I get older and, you know, you put on pounds and you sit there and you tell yourself, I'm not going to drink Cokes today. Well, it's kind of hard to give it up. Or if I, I don't want to have a, um, uh, a dessert, well, I'm going to give up dessert. Well, I, that's just or a... I'm going to do better tomorrow. <laughs> yes, and, that, and that's just a something minor, how hard it is to give up something that you really love. Yeah. That's not saying you're addicted to anything. That, I can't imagine multiplying that by 100, you know, mm-hmm. how bad it is when your body actually craves something. So... You know, I, I do hope and pray that if you are suffering from addiction, that the, the good Lord can deliver you from that. And I've heard people that was alcoholics, they could just walk away from it and never have another problem. But I've heard people that that it wasn't that easy. But you know what? You've got to find a faith-based uh, program or something that helps to get through it. People to talk to, pastors, whoever it may be. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, my mom passed away too early. Uh, I miss her daily because there's. I, I want to pick up the phone and call my mom when something happens because a man that can tell you, I talk to my mama every day. Mm-hmm. I called her, talked to her. And the thing about it is I feel like addiction robbed me of a lot of that because even afterwards, my mom never was quite the same with some of that. Her personality changed a little bit with it, and, you know, that's some of the depression and different things. I know my mom loved me, you know, unconditionally. I know she was... I could have done this to her, taking pills and everything, and my mom would have loved me no matter what. And that's where I came about my mom. Getting to a place where... You appreciate the good days, the good years, 
and loved her for who she was. Yes. And so we just wanted to kind of bring that to light a little bit about addiction. Maybe some of y'all are going through it, if families or whatever. You know, again, there's people out there that can help you. And what I encourage you to do is find that because realize this, if you can't, you've, number one, you've got to be able to do it for yourself if you are suffering from addiction. If you've got family members you love and you care about, that's another reason. And, and I beg you because we see it from the school standpoint. It's getting worse every year. Our kids need it because right now a lot of the parents are not raising the kids. And here's been a big thing that we've talked about before. A lot of our grandparents are raising the kids. And someone brought this up one day, and it was one of those aha moments again that I refer to. If the parents we have now, a lot of them are not raising the children and grandparents are doing, what happens when the grandparents die? And these kids that we have now have their own children. If their own parents couldn't take care of them, Who's going to take care of the babies if they've got the same problems? Are we going to be a country of orphanages? We go to Africa and on mission trips, different things, and we work in orphanages and stuff. Well, are we going to be that country here? And uh, so, you know, I hope, hope and pray that something we said today can help you. But again, I want to tell you, I, 80 to 85% of the time, my life was great. But that 15% affected somebody like me. And I can't imagine someone living in it 100% of the time. That's right. We've just got to continue to lift each other up and and know that if this is something you're struggling with or somebody in your family is struggling with, you are not alone. There are resources. If you don't know where to find those resources, email us, contact us. We will help. Well, uh, again, this was one of those episodes we don't like to talk about, but I felt that it might help somebody out there. I know it's not going to be very entertaining, but know this, that, you know, good Lord has been real to us. He's helped us through those situations. I miss my mom daily, and you know what? Even though my mom had those problems, she was a great Christian lady. And I know that my mom's in a lot better place today. She doesn't have that addiction. She doesn't have the problems physically and things that are going on. And I know that she dealt with the the battling and, and feeling so guilty herself going through things. But I just want you to focus and remember my mom for all the great things that she did and the things that she gave me and the prayers for me and all those kind of things. But my mom would want someone, if it could help one life, to tell her story because that is this whole thing, the reason we started this podcast. Each of us have a story, whether your story is good, bad, or whatever. We all have ugly parts of it. My ugly parts may help somebody. My mom's ugly parts of her life may help someone, and that's all that matters. Number one thing, if it points people to the Lord, that's that's why we're doing it. That's right. So thank y'all. Thanks for being with us. 